his stern mouth. Two sons and two daughters. Fair enough, fair enough, he murmured to himself. Elizabeth had been six times pregnant, and they had lost only two so far, which, considering the fate of most children, was good fortune indeed. It was true that Arthur, the eldest and Prince of Wales, who was not quite fifteen, was a sickly boy. He was handsome enough with his pretty pink and white complexion, but that was not in his case the sign of health. Arthur coughed too much. There were occasions when he spat blood. Yet he lived. Perhaps there would have been cause for anxiety if Arthur had not possessed such a brother as Henry. There was a prince to delight the eyes of any parent. Glances were even now straying to this ten-year-old boy. It was the same when they went among the people. It was young Henry whom the people called for. It was for him they had their smiles. Fortunately, Arthur had the sweetest temper and knew no envy. But perhaps he was too tired to feel envy. Perhaps he was grateful to this robust, vital brother who could appear so fresh at the end of a day's riding, who always knew how to respond to the people's applause. Between the two boys sat Margaret, a dignified princess, looking older than twelve, keeping a watchful eye on her exuberant brother Henry, who strangely did not seem to resent this. It was pleasant to see such affection between a brother and sister. And on the other side of Henry sat Mary, an enchanting creature of five years, a little willful because she was so pretty, perhaps, and doubtless over-pampered because of it. Four children, mused the king, and Arthur, the only one whose health gives cause for anxiety. Edward's daughter has done her duty well. The queen turned to him and was smiling. She read his thoughts. She knew but he was studying the children and had been thinking, there's time for more. Elizabeth of York stilled the sudden resentment which rose within her. The only real desire her husband would feel would be for the aggrandizement of the throne. She was dear to him, she knew, not because of any beauty or talent she might possess, but because she was the daughter of Edward IV, and when she married him, the union had brought peace to England. She had also given him children, four of whom were living. There was tension among the spectators, and the king's attention was now on the arena, where the battle was not going according to expectations. Rex was lying on his back, while one of the mastiffs had him by the throat. The others were leaping on him, tearing his flesh, their jaws bloody. Prince Henry had risen to his feet. They have beaten Rex, he cried. Oh, bravo, bravo! The cry was taken up among the spectators, as the body of Rex lay lifeless and the dogs continued to worry it. The queen leaned slightly towards the king. I would not have believed that the dogs could defeat the lion. The king did not answer, but beckoned to one of the keepers of his menagerie. Take the dogs away, he said. Remove the carcass of the lion and then return to me. As the man bowed low and went off to obey the king's command, an excited chatter broke out among the children. Henry was shouting, Did you see? Arthur, did you see? Arthur was pale. He murmured, I like not these sports. Henry laughed at him. 
I like sport better than anything in the world, and never have I seen such a battle. Mary asked, What has happened to the lion? But no one took any notice of her. Margaret gripped Henry's arm. Be silent, she whispered. Do you not see that our father is displeased? Henry turned to stare at the king. But why? he began. I should have thought it was good sport. I... The king's stern eyes rested on his son. Henry, he said, one day you will learn that what you think is of far more interest to yourself than to others. Henry looked puzzled, but it was impossible to check his exuberance. The king signed to one of the keepers. Let the bears and the band dogs be brought on, he said. The company stared aghast. Before them in the arena, scaffolds had been set up.